comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. My name is Oliver Queen. After five years in the house, I returned home with only one goal, to save my city. But my old approach wasn't enough. I had to become someone else. I had to become something else. I had to become the Green Arrow. When I was a child, my planet Krypton was dying. I was sent to Earth. I work with my adoptive sister for the DEO to protect my city from alien life and anyone else that means to cause it harm. I am Supergirl. My name is Barry Allen, and I am the fastest man alive. To the outside world, I'm an ordinary forensic scientist. But secretly, with the help of my friends at Star Labs, I fight crime. I am the Flash. I'm here because the future of the world is in peril. Because of a man named Vandal Savage. I chose you eight to travel throughout time to stop them. You got the wrong guy. Hero ain't on my resume. Where I'm from, you aren't just considered heroes. You're legend. Hey everybody, welcome to the DCTV Podcast, episode 60. And uh, kind of a short uh, episode this week because we only have three shows to talk about. We do have some news and a few other things to kick around, and uh, joining me here, as always, in the wonderful world of DCTV, we have uh, the girl who kicked Laurel Lance back into her hospital bed, Ms. Jerry Atkinson. Thank you. Thank you. No, hold your applause. You know, I saw a problem, I kicked it. And... <laughs> <laughs> And the man, and the man who gave Major Lily White his name, Mister Richard the Chubtoe Chubman, the Chaos Killer. No, I just mean Major Lily White. That's like, that's a messed up name. That is a messed Sorry. up name. Now Sorry. it's not now. And you if know what? Like I've been Major watching... Dodson. Then yeah, it'd but, be great. But well, this been, is it's so funny because yeah. I've been watching I Zombie for all this time, and I, for, I guess I forgot his last name was yeah. Lily White until this episode. I'm like. His name is Major Lily White. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, he really is. <laughs> uh, so anyway. Yeah, I, it was a reminder. I would kind of forgotten too. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had a super-sized episode last time, so this would be nice just to have like a little smaller episode, just focus on a few shows. I'm sure we are going to have a lot to say, especially about Arrow this week. Um, yes. Because uh, of what happened, and uh, you know, we'll get to that when we get to that. But uh, first off, real quick, uh, I had a question. For, uh, for I wanted to throw out for discussion before we started. Okay. Uh, cold, cold question. I did not go cold. over this with Jerry and Chubb at the beginning. It's just, you don't go over us anything, anytime Uh-oh. with us. No, there's very little prep on the show. <laughs> I, I, I am invoking my notes. Fifth Amendment. I am invoking my Fifth Amendment right so that I may not say things that will incriminate me. I do make notes. That's about all the prep we have on the show. As you guys know, Batman v Superman, you know, we talked about it pretty in depth last week. Um, has been kind of you know disappointing at the box office. Okay, they say it's it's probably not even going to make as much money now as Man of Steel did, which is kind of strange. I did not expect it to be, you know, go down that quickly. Here's my question to you: If you were in in charge right now of the DC Cinematic Universe, what would be your next move? Do you go full speed ahead with everything you have planned? 
do you cut back on that slate of movies and just double down on the ones you think are going to be crowd pleasers? Do you get Zack Snyder the hell out of there and get someone else in, you know, and, and totally change tack on, on the situation? What would you do if you were, you were like the Kevin Feige of the DC Cinematic Universe um, right now? Jerry, you want to go first or me? Um, no, no ladies, you go first. Okay. okay. I was gonna ladies say first. Ladies. Yeah, ladies first. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Um, well, first of all, the, the Scott Snyder question is, or not Scott Zach Snyder. Zack Snyder. God. Anyway, too many Snyders. Anyway, um, Zack Snyder, I don't think you get him the hell out of there. You move him into a producer role. Okay. You may maybe keep him on, you know, in certain um, revisions of scripts and things. You know, help now, him just write. To be, just, just to be clear, as we speak, he's still on board to be directing the Justice League one and two movies. Right. And he is a producer on the Wonder Woman movie um, from the DCU, so he is kind of has, has his hand everywhere. You know, I mean, do you put the the non success of Batman v Superman on his shoulders? Actually, I don't. Um, because I, I put it squarely on the shoulders of the media and, and critics, um, because here's the thing is to have the drop off that it had, it had to, there was just so much negativity out there. I mean, I talked to people who actually liked the movie somewhat, but still just bitched and moaned and complained and, you know, it, it, and they couldn't find really any joy out of it. And I don't get that, you know, because the stuff they would complain about was so stupid and menial. And a lot of it just matched up with what the critics were saying. So it definitely was, you know, a, a, a mind F that the, the media did on the general movie going audience. All right. Well, let me pump the brakes on you here because this okay. is kind of ground you already covered on the last podcast. Yeah. Here's, yeah. here's what I'm saying. Instead of throwing barbs at what has already gone down, what would you do moving forward? Well, I would I for, for the first Justice League movie, I would keep Zack Snyder on as a director, but I would make him a co-director, and I would possibly, if depending on how the schedule of things work around, I'd bring Ben Affleck in to co-direct yep. Justice League One. Um, I don't know what's going on with these reshoots on Suicide Squad, but you know that that I would look into closely. I just I don't know what they're doing. If it's like what you said last week, if it's just standard movie reshoots, or if they're really trying to go a different direction because of the box office results of Batman v Superman, because that doesn't make sense to me either. Because Suicide Squad is definitely a different toned movie or should be a different tone movie than most anything else in the yes. DC uh, universe past or present or future as far as cinematic goes um, I would I would try to maybe hire out a director for the second one the second Justice League uh, maybe a director that did work on Marvel but isn't working on Marvel now like you know Favreau, could they maybe get Favreau? I don't know, because um, that would be interesting. Um, I think it would be very interesting, although I don't know if he has any kind of a non-compete or or what it is. But it'd also be very interesting to bring in Joss Whedon uh, for somewhere in those Justice League films to see if he can, you know, 
I don't know, man. I from what Whedon said after the Age of Ultron, he seems pretty burned down on big franchise ideas. Yeah, yeah. You know, in general, just, you know, I mean, because you gotta you gotta think that like when when Disney bought the rights to Star Wars, that Whedon was on the short list, and he could have easily gotten one of those. You know what I mean? I mean, it, I mean, think about it. You know, conventional wisdom in Hollywood: someone who's already handled a multi-million dollar franchise and made a billion-dollar movie is going to have a better resume than. You know, right. not to you know rag on Ryan Johnson or whatever he's a great director, but I mean you know Looper was not the Avengers, you know. No. But uh, I mean, so, I mean, if he had, if he, I think if he wanted to do that kind of movie, that big franchise movie, that would have been what he would have jumped to, because you know he's in the Star Wars. I mean. No, I know. I'm just I'm trying to to think of you know they need to bring in some experienced directors that have experience jumbling a a multi-person cast that it's i mean that's joss whedon's specialty i mean you look Mm -hmm. back to buffy you look to angel you look to dollhouse all of those it's you can't you can't really pick out who the leading characters are because they all share equal time there is one supporting the other but then there'll be an episode of that one supporting the other one so you know it's he's so good with ensembles you know and i you know, maybe um, Goddard, maybe he could get, you know, they could get him. You know, he worked on that stuff with him as well. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's been a showrunner on Daredevil for both seasons. Plus, he's kind of the, the mastermind behind the whole Netflix Marvel initiative. So, right. And right. Drew Goddard's pretty much got his hands full. But, I think, but you know I think what I'm saying? To get a type oh. like that, get some kind of a director like that to maybe work with Scott Snyder in a production Zach role. Snyder. It's Zach Snyder. Sorry, Zach Snyder. You're at home with a drink and you're drinking. That'll be our drinking in this episode. How many times he calls Scott Snyder, Zach Snyder, vice versa. I think that maybe um, DC, I think DC should take a, a, like a little bit of strategy out of Marvel as far as this. Okay. Okay. Marvel took a chance on like lower tier directors and gave them big money projects. Joss Whedon before Avengers really had not done a big budget film. James Gunn had done small films and was known mainly as a cult director. I mean, he did Super, he did Slither, you know, things like that. They need to go and like I think I think James Yan on Aquaman is a good good choice in, in that direction. I think Patty Jenkins directing Wonder Woman is a great choice in that direction. I think they need to give these people a chance they're on second and third tier directing a chance to step up to these mythological characters and really knock some some shit out of the park. And I think that's what they need. Not I don't think they they need to put, you know change the tone of their universe or whatever. They want to go a little more serious, realistic. That's fine. But I think if they really want this to last, instead of putting everything on that Zack Snyder style and everything behind him, that they should diversify with directors, they should diversify with screenwriters, and really like dig in and make and, and see what makes these characters interesting and get some fresh takes. Right, you know? right. Well, yeah, and that's the thing, is they do need to move away from the, the Zack Snyder tone, but... Um, Don't you mean Scott just, Snyder? Yeah, but to just abruptly change... It, it might be jarring for some of the general audience. I don't know. It, it, I think that's why you keep him on in some sort of producer role so that they can transition through from his styling to another style, you know? Yeah, not but, just... I mean, look, look I, know, I, I never like to compare with DC Marvel Cinematic Universes, but, I mean, Ant-Man and, and Netflix's Daredevil are in the same universe, okay? Those are wildly different in tone. Guardians of the Galaxy, same universe, you know what I mean? It's not a matter of being stylistically slavish to Zack Snyder or whoever is, is saying the tone of the universe. It's just a matter of everything fitting in and them having a continuity that makes sense. 
Thank you. Now, I think if you bring in more uh, diverse directors, interesting directors, directors who really haven't had a chance to really do a big franchise you know, movie like this, um, that you're going to end up with more interesting movies that people are going to want to see. Jerry, you've been really quiet. Please weigh in. Um, I've been thinking about it. Like, I, I mean, fire everybody except for Jason Momoa. Hire Boz Lerman. Go full speed ahead. There you go. Nice. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, a fire room install John, <laughs> install John Carpenter as the new czar and move on. Maybe. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, chaos it up a little bit. You know, I don't know if I agree with announcing your whole schedule. I know we're supposed to get no. fans on board, but that's not only is it a ballsy mood, it's a potentially stupid when they, when, You know what? When when they did that, go go back and listen to Nothing's On yeah. when they did that. I said, man, I'm like, not only are they jinxing themselves on this show, Yes! But like, but like if, yes! if, don't tempt if, the universe if, like that. But if Batman versus Superman doesn't, you know, go over a billion dollars or whatever, they're going to be, you know, cutting these back. And I really think that is what's going to end up happening. I mean, I think, you know, Wonder Woman's pretty much done. Suicide Squad's totally done. Right. You know, Aquaman's already in enough production that if they were to shut it down, they would lose more money than they'd lose if it, even if it tanked in the box office. So those three are in the bank. They have to, you know, double down this Justice League thing. So those two are going to be made. But I think if you look at some of these other, you know, more ancillary characters like Cyborg or the return of Green Lantern or, you know, are these other characters that I really, I don't, I don't see them getting made. You know, it, unless these other movies pick up a lot of momentum and start making a lot more money than what they've made so far, yeah, which is no, possible. I mean, wise person. no, you're a wise person. I, it's, I think it was meant to, you know, get the buzz going and everything and be like a feel-good move. And I don't think they could have done anything more stupid, in my opinion. And nobody cares about my opinion, but, you know. You know, another thing that I would do is possible that it could be done is I would hire Bruce Tim to come over and do some of the creative masterminding of the putting this together. I mean, look at the... 20 years of animation DCU that he put together. And Mm -hmm. it's not just the visual of it. It's the story. It's the tight, it's the beats and the pacing of the way his production told things. And, and to get him in on the story production side of things, I think would be a smart move. I think for what I'm hearing, like Jeff Johns is the one who's like uh, filling that role uh, so far. Yeah, but, you know, he also and, was one that had his hand in the Green Lantern movie, too, that had me excited and then disappointed. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of, I mean, all, everything we've read so far and seen so far that is like he is the, like the Kevin Feige role. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, the DC, yeah. you know, he's, in fact, he's the one who's collaborating with uh, Affleck on the standalone Batman movie. Yeah, that, that has me excited about. there, though, the two I mean, of them working and, together. Yeah, I mean, things like that. I mean, but... I really, um, I, I don't know the, you know, I don't know how much Warner Brothers could really pull back, other than mm-hmm. maybe pruning some of that schedule back and you know, sure. you know cutting back on that, you know, without like really uh, end up losing a lot of money in the back end. But I think like making choices, like I said, James Jean mm-hmm. on Aquaman or, or Patty Jenkins really is going to make a huge difference on these movies. I'd like I mean, I know that. more people who are psyched for Wonder Woman now after seeing Batman v Superman than. Right. Yeah. The next Batman or Superman movie. I mean, I agree. She was, I mean, she was like one of the best things in that movie, in my opinion. She was. Um, so, I mean, I, I, and there's a lot of buzz and a lot of hype for that. So, I think that'll do well next summer. Uh, I'm hoping Suicide Squad does well because James Ayer is a really interesting director, whatever he does. 
Um, I mean, Fury was great, and I mean, he, he just is, is good at what he does, and I'm really interested to see what he does with these characters. So, and as I said, you know, a year ago, I'm looking, I was looking forward to Suicide Squad more than Batman v Superman anyway. I mean, I mean Batman v Superman was obviously going to be a transitional film from Man of Steel, which was supposed to be like a one-off or whatever, to this DC cinematic universe that they came up with in the interim. Well, I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But, but I know they did. They 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 did announce some. They moved the date on Wonder Woman, so it was out of the way of another big release. And then they uh, they announced their two more untitled uh, DC uh, universe films. Now, whether those are something that you know maybe they're cutting back and and like shuffling some characters around and putting them together. Maybe they're going to put Flash and Cyborg in the same movie. You'll call it Brave and the Bold or something or, you know, whatever. Um, they're, they're definitely doing some shuffling. So it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Speaking of things shaking out, I wanted to mention Lucifer got its second season. We have not gotten confirmed on Supergirl yet. That's the only show that hasn't uh, been confirmed so far, I think. Which She's really getting has it. me surprised. I'm sure she's, she's getting it. Getting There's no way. Season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no confirmation on Supergirl yet. But Lucifer, like you know, we've talked about some of the problems we have with the show, but like we also talked about some of the the potential we see in the show. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. granted, we rag on it, and rightfully so when it doesn't do well. But when it, when it does, you know, hit on some cylinders that that fire, it it does. You know, we we definitely. I mean, I'd like to see this do what Gotham did and just like radically improve in the second season. That would be. Cool. And to me, what Arrow did, I did not like Arrow season one. No. Uh-huh. Flashbacks it just threw me off, and I was like, well, Ugh. Was, everybody yeah. convinced me to to give it another try on season two. Right. And since then, I've been a fan. Yeah, well, I agree. That first season was rough. Yeah. Well, they didn't so, know what they were still kind of feeling their way around. You know, what I mean, the only other superhero TV at that time was Smallville. You know, what I mean, and it had mm-hmm. been Smallville, and they really didn't know where to take it. You know, whether they should go. Right. I mean, they were very trying to do the very Christopher Nolan thing there early on, and then, you know, when Flash hit, it was like, oh, I guess we can do metahumans now. So, we get uh, the mess that we got this week. Why don't we just go ahead and um, dive into that first? Shall okay. Because that yeah. is like the most controversial, most discussed, <laughs> yeah. discussed with an S S E D and discussed <laughs> with a U S T. There's nothing controversial about it. It just plain sucks. Well. well. For for fans that you know just give lip service to to you know adoring the the property period, it might be salacious if we say it sucked, but it sucked. It did suck. Uh, we start we started this episode of Arrow with them showing that they have the idol like locked away in the in the Arrow hideaway, which you know uh, uh, Holt fell into the other day and like everyone is found on accident, the you know the Arrow cave, so of course right. it's gonna be safe. As soon as they as soon as Dingle came in and said. Yeah, I put up some more security precautions. I knew that somebody was breaking in. I knew it. It was probably going to be Merlin. And sure enough, um, Andy Diggle uh, um, has a, you know, a tip that they're going to try to steal, that uh, mm-hmm. Dark's going to try to steal some missiles. And John Diggle still trusts Andy. And that's a huge crux of this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than the other big crux, which... If you haven't heard by now, the death, the the cheap death of Laurel Lance, <laughs> which is what I want to call it, because it was just cheap. Cheap is too good a word for it. Oh. Way too good a word. Forty soap opera, telescoped and probably faked death of Laurel. <laughs> That's too many I, adjectives I'm, I'm to tack on. <laughs> I'm convinced it's faked. I'm yeah, it's faked. Absolutely fake. convinced. And, I was so happy though. I was like, "Oh, they killed her off," and I'm thinking, "There's no way. They made it too easy. There's no way." Well, especially well, here's, 
Well, and everybody like, comes back. I'll tell you what, let's wait till we get to that in the episode. Okay, sorry. Like, yeah. All right. No big deal. I understand. I feel your pain. I'm there with you. Okay, sorry. Sure, uh, sure enough, um, uh, Andy is trying to get in good graces with John and the rest of the Arrow group or whatever, and Oliver is having issues trusting him. Uh, Andy leads them on a really like easy milk run raid to stop some army uh, munitions being tra- you know um, hijacked as they go through Star City. But while that happens, uh, Laurel and Thea have to fend off some League of Assassins dudes in Merlin who are there to steal the urn. And somehow Merlin, with only one arm, is still able to, like, <laughs> kick everyone's ass. He only has one arm, right? Well, one hand, right? It's well, that great hair he has. Does he have some kind of robotic thing or something? Because, I mean, there was a point where I could swear he was flexing fingers on both hands. I, I don't know. I just, I, I thought maybe I missed something that he, you know, got Luke Skywalkered or something. It just kind of blew my mind that, like, at the, at the opening of the episode, they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, Merlin knows where we are. We need to really, like, uh, uh, protect this idol, you know? And I'm thinking, okay, so what are they going to do? And then he goes, oh, I put up more security measures, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, that's not going to work. <laughs> as soon as he said that, I knew Merlin would be busted in there. I knew it. And sure enough, five minutes later, Merlin's there for the idol to take it back to dark. Another question, too, if you don't mind me asking. No. If you have this evil idol that you know is, like... Right total like evil concentrated uh-huh. evil oh, and yeah. stuff that you've seen before on freaking land you possessed dudes to kill other people would you just bust the shit of it i would yeah. i would I break mean, it up into like about a hundred tiny pieces i would fedex those pieces all over the world <laughs> yeah. and then sweep up the dust that was left to put that in the matchbox you know what i mean i would here's the thing is i thought maybe because when they had it in the box i'm just like thinking the same thing you're talking about mm-hmm. and i'm just like well maybe there's something about it it can't be broken exactly. you know it's so magical exactly. and all that and then yeah. later we find out oh we took a piece off of it it's like if you I could do that. do that why in the hell didn't you just Whoa. destroy it they showed him trying to destroy it before though they were dropping it and stuff and no dice so how did how did amazingly they get a piece off of it it made no sense no i'm just yeah just, it was just know, dumb I think you would have you know, found some way to laser it up or, or you know what I mean? Do I something know. to it so they wouldn't just be sitting there in one piece, right? Something. Merlin and his crew get away with a vase. It brings it to Dark, but Dark's like, nobody, you screwed up. It's missing something. It's mm-hmm. missing a mojo here that makes it go. So you got to go find this mojo now. Merlin's all like, ah, oh, jeez. I got to break in, in and out of prison again with this giant urn. What a jerk. So, <laughs> so Merlin leaves. Andy Diggle like leads them on to another ambush, which he takes an arrow to the shoulder, and still Oliver does not trust him. And I as didn't we either. find, and as we find out later, rightfully so. Um, <laughs> Here's the thing: is I've not been very trustworthy of him all along. Like I knew that he was probably going to be a linchpin at some point that releases. A world of shit um but when that when they, that scene happened it seemed the way the camera flashed onto the bows that were set off and then back to him i don't know it looked like it was perfectly timed and choreographed mm-hmm. so i yeah. was like 
I think he, you know, he took that purposefully. Like he knew where to be. Like he rehearsed it or something, you know. Right. So, and then of course we were proven right. But just I'm 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 kind of tired of that trope on Arrow too. Yes. The whole yes. It's family. They're family. It's family. So I'm going to be totally illogical and blind to everything going on, even though we've gone through this a million damn times before. Uh, the whole thing with Andy kind of like blew my mind. And John and Oliver have a big fight over and John's like, you know, my brother is my business. To which I'm thinking, uh, Oliver should say, uh, no, he's in my freaking secret lair. You know what I mean? He's doing all this stuff. It makes it my business too, right? You know, but he all doesn't, right. he, back, he backs down. Uh, meanwhile, Oliver has to go to the uh, uh, victory speech of Ruve Dark. I love saying Ruve. It just sounds mm-hmm. like uh, really cheap wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give me that big bottle of Ruve on the bottom shelf. Yeah. It reminded yeah. me of um of Brian the Stranger. It reminded me. I'm like, where's Christians? Right. You mean the strange? <laughs> yes. Um, at the uh, at the victory speech, she shakes. Uh, she even has a line like she's going to make Star City great again, which I thought was funny. And then she comes and shakes Oliver's hand, and then offers Laurel the job of district attorney, which um, made zero, absolutely no sense to me. Right. <laughs> so much of this didn't. Uh, well, first of all, it makes no sense because why would they offer that to her? She's the one prosecuting Damian Dark right now. Exactly. Or okay, that would be a pro- wouldn't that be a conflict of interest? Well, that, but I was also thinking, well, maybe are they trying to t- make her that so they're taking her off the dark case? Come on, that is not going to happen. It's it, I could not find logical reasoning behind it at all, other than keep your, your friends close and your enemies closer. Mm-hmm. But if you have her that close that she's on the inner circle of the mayor's office, it's not going to work out well for somebody. Or yeah. anybody, probably. So right. I just, it made no logical sense for any of those characters' motives to be, I want her to be DA. Right. Uh, Laurel has a hard time with uh, her dad uh, about, you know, being offered a DA. And she's like, you know, it'd be cool. You know, it might be nice to have something like one close to Reve, you know, that could be useful for the team. But then Quentin understands, but he, he says that maybe, you know, being Black Canary would be... Uh, you know, would would mean you know, I mean, being the new DA would mean having to give up being Black Canary, right? And he, I guess, he's come around now because he doesn't seem as bad about that as he used to be. He used to really hate the whole thing. Then he's like, oh, there's definitely pride there. Go cool with it. Oh, there's pride. When uh, we we more fighting between uh, Oliver and Diggle, and uh, Diggle tells Andy offhandedly after you know takes an arrow or whatever, don't, you know, don't worry, we. We took a piece out of the idol, and I, I, I hid it in a safe place. Dumb, da dum dum dum. Right. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you know, Oliver's like, you know, i got to follow up a lead, and he goes <clears throat> right to Diggle's house and finds Andy tearing the place apart. But there was an explanation there for, for oh, his blindness, and that is that that helmet is so fucking stupid that it's just <laughs> sucking any logic and intelligence right out of Diggle's head. <sighs> That's 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 the only possible explanation. You know, that actually does make sense. That bootleg Magneto or Magnetbro or whatever. Magnegro, is that what Daryl calls it? Yep. Yep, that Magnegro helmet has just gone to his remaining brain cells that, you know, fatherhood and 
was he married to his baby mama? I can't even remember now. But yeah, they, yeah. I think they got married. Yeah. So yeah. whatever, because you know, you both know that when you get married, you lose some brain cells. You have to, or you won't survive. And that's then the, the only reason thing, that you do get married is right. temporary insanity. Right. Well, then it gets worse. Yeah. You know, it's like a, like a slow process, but it happens. And then you have kids, and you're just pretty much brain dead. And <laughs> so that plus the Magnegro helmet has sealed his last name. There are exceptions to that because you look at Boss here, Jim. You know, he's he's definitely. Well, on I was, top I was of his aiming game. at Jim. Oh, no. He's on top of his <laughs> game. You know that. Come on. Don't make the boss mad. <laughs> I likes it. Come on. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I told you I could make this twice as long as a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> uh, things start to move into uh, into um, uh, uh, motion in the prison for a riot. Uh, the, it's so funny because there's a scene with Murmur rolling the book cart down the aisle and, like, giving guys books. And, like, everyone is, like, giving him this, like, knowing evil look back like every like yes another book of evil yes <laughs> you know like you know obviously there's something in it and the guards just standing there like oh just book day you know there there's so many things that went on in these prison scenes that being somebody that works inside prisons for three years i'm just like oh. No, that just would not happen. Right. And, no, they and, don't have any kind of oversight no. here. They don't have any any experts telling look, them no. Look no. at I mean, how tenuous. <laughs> look at look at the courtroom scenes. Uh, you know, look the, what they have lawyers doing this show. This for, a, so, that's yeah. why so we need Laurel Lance as the next DA of Star <laughs> City. We need her. We need her to come out and straighten out these courtrooms. You're oh out God. of order. She's out of order. This whole podcast is out of yes, order. Yes, the vending machine out the hall is out of order as well. So that's what I had heard. That's yeah. what I had heard. So no in the ladies' bathroom yeah. third stall. Guess what? Guess what? Out, out of, of order. So anyway, uh, Damien gets his idol, but doesn't have the little mojo piece for it yet. But uh, he's starting to like get everything together with his dudes, and they start a riot at the prison. So uh, John and Andy Diggle, Arrow, Thea, and Laurel. Laurel putting on her suit as she says, "One last time." Oh, let me just you know foreshadow the hell that. out of yeah. it. it. It reminded me so much of McBain on The Simpsons. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah, I retire in one week, and I bought this boat, and my wife and I are going to sail around the world. <laughs> what could happen? It's called Live Forever <laughs> is the name of the boat. <laughs> um, they, the vigilantes show up. Quentin picks a fight with the head cops so they can get a distraction to get inside the prison. That was pretty funny, I thought. Yeah. Um, they get in, and they start fighting the inmates or whatever. We get some decent fight scenes. Thea ends up fighting Merlin. Getting caught in a fight with him in a hallway. And then the rest of the cast, um, Andy, John, uh, Arrow, and Laurel, end up in a giant common room in a cafeteria. They bust in at the same time. They get kind of overpowered when it turns out Andy Diggle, dun dun dun, <gasps> has double crossed them. And brought <gasps> I'm so shocked. Well, you should be. What a twist. It's 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 a M Night Shamalama Ding Dong type twist. Yeah, but they're family, so <laughs> Yeah. Let me just say you mentioned at the beginning of that that you know, um, Thea faces off with her father and I just have to say is I I've gotten it several times early on in their relationship of love hate mm-hmm. that she had a hard time 
striking him or even if she had the opportunity to harm him or kill him she hesitated i got that two seasons ago now after all the crap he has done to her family her friends the the city the world i don't buy her hesitation anymore i mean at this point this is the guy who has helped helped um you know you without knowing kill one of your friends um i mean that right there but i mean so many things since then it's just like come on i don't get her hesitation i thought this was finally going to be the end of him but nope well the thing in this uh they fight and he gets the better of her somehow with two with only one hand don't know how that happened and says that you know now that you don't have your bloodlust you will never be able to defeat me in very darth vader way and then splits and she should have said yeah well clap well anyway after andy sells out the whole of team arrow and uh they end up getting uh damien darkest little mojo thing mm-hmm. um thea shoots him twice with arrows in the gut he uses that blood in his little idol thing but that's not enough so he has to kill yeah. another dude and use his blood and now his mojo is back and he's able to force choke all of team arrow at once mm-hmm. oh and by the way he knows all who oliver queen is now he knows the green arrow is oliver queen he knows that Black Canary is Laura Lance. He figured it all out. So he knows his secret identities, and he's got his idol and mojo back. I'm not surprised he figured it out. They've yeah. been in enough altercations with both identities that he's not stupid. Right. Mm-hmm. But anyway, just as the icing on the uh, crappy cake, he decides um, to take the arrow that Oliver tried to shoot at him and failed to do so because he stopped it in midair. And stab Laurel Lance in the gut with it. Uh, just then Merlin comes in, tells him they have to get the hell out of there before the rest of the cops show up. You know, Arrow comes and grabs Laurel and pulls the arrow out of her, takes her to the hospital, gets someone to help her, and then he, you know, he cuts out. We cut back to the hospital, and now Felicity is there, and Mama Smoke and everybody else, and John Diggle and everything, and they're, then you know, they're telling them she's going to be fine, she's going to be cool, she's okay. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, they hurt her or whatever, but she's all right. Oliver goes in, you know, the whole group is there talking to her, and then Oliver goes in, they all talk to her a little bit more, and then the the rest of the group leaves, and Oliver stays behind, and then they have a little talk about the the picture that they had, and, like, the times that they had, and they were simpler, and then she basically tells him that he ought to get his ass back with Felicity. (sighs) That's, like, her last words to him. It was methodically, yeah. the whole episode was methodically Laurel making amends so she could die in a happy place. And it was right. so freaking obvious the whole mm. show yep. that I was just rolling my eyes nonstop. Like I said, the worst moment is when she's like, I'm just going to do this one last time. You know, as soon as she said so, that, I'm like, oh man, they're going to kill her. Right. And she's only technically dead because the whole thing is fate. Well, <laughs> speaking to that. You know, they have a little tender moment together. He shows, She shows him that she still kept this picture of her that, you know, they both had for all these years. Same picture. He had a Leah and you in the flashback, which I'm not even going to get into this week because screw the flashbacks. Oh, God. I don't even want to put it. I don't even want to go. I don't Thank even want to go into it. You know, I already mentioned them a couple of times. That's more than I wanted to. You know, after they have a little moment, she goes, not only does she have the picture, but she has like a little something in her hand or whatever. It looks like a cigarette case or something. I couldn't quite tell what it was. And they cut away, and they talk, and you can't hear what they're saying because it's like a tracking shot outside the room from behind the glass. You can't hear what right. they're saying. And then two minutes later, boom, she's in cardiac arrest. She's about to die. 
So you know my theory, Jim. I explained it to you over chat. And um, I, I would agree with this theory, except they already did this in season two with Sarah. I know, but they go back to the well on a lot of things at, to the point that it gets tiresome. And I'm just telling you, it's so – the whole thing, it's – the. The reason she sent him to get that out of the, her pouch wasn't to get the picture out and have their moment. They were already having their moment. It's what was in that case. We don't know what it was, but it's more than likely some sort of, you know, poison or chemical or something that stops the heart, you know, but doesn't really kill you, puts you in deep hibernation or whatever, and she's going to come back. I just th- – there's, there's just – no way. Yeah, you know, she tweeted, the actress tweeted, you know, goodbye and all this other shit. It's all red herring. It's all misdirection. Um, maybe they are going to leave her off the show for a while, but she'll be back. She's going to be back. Yeah. Now, nobody dies on this show. Nobody dies on any comic show. Come on. Yeah, it just seems stupid to me. It just seemed really cheap. It seemed really unnecessary. It just seemed like... Enough happened in this episode. They really didn't have to have that happen. And then, Jerry, you're right. Whatever <laughs> was in that, that wasn't part of the main story. It was all no. about Laurel, you know, talking to her dad before she left. And so classic TV. Like, you know who's going to die. Oliver and... You know, the thing is, is Walking Dead does that a lot, too. It does. They, you know who's going to die by who gets the best, the most profound dialogue episode. Right. Well, right. But they, but, but they do a little bit better job of blending it yes. into the episode. Yes. So if you're going to do this kind of thing, man, look at what else is on TV doing it as well. Because... I, I don't always like it when Walking Dead does that, but at least, again, they it makes somewhat sense as part of the story of that episode or that season arc or whatever, whereas this just seems lame. Just absolutely, yeah. Jim said it at the top of the show, cheap death. And, yes. and like I said, <laughs> cheap is, an, is a too good of a word for it. And that's pretty much the end of the episode. I give oh, it an oh wait, I'm sorry. There's a moment where... Oliver is there in the hospital, and uh, Captain Lance comes and looks at him, and he doesn't even say anything to him. Captain Lance knows. He just kind of collapses onto the floor under his knee. I did feel a little bad right here. Yeah. I mean, that was like the only acting in this whole episode, really. Right. It was right there. That was 11.59. Actually, I'm going to give it an I for incomplete. Mm. Thank you. See, now you know my grading system. (laughs) Uh, I'll give it a check minus. No, I, I, I give it a, I give it a D. It was just so, so unnecessary. And like the little bit of cool that wasn't this was Neil McDonough as as Dark. Yeah. You know that was cool. Um, I like but, him and everything. He even made Paul yeah. Blart good. You know that that little bit of coolness there, the whole prison riot with Murmur and everything that was kind of funny. But oh, I just is like the whole Laurel thing is just stupid and cheap and unnecessary. So I say D. I'm gonna go with. W for why would you possibly make me watch this? Not you, not you, not you guys, but I, 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 I don't say, understand. Please, please don't blame me. No, not you guys. No. No, just, we just, just hand it out as an assignment. That's all. Yeah, no, you know? I'm fine. With it's just like that. me just, where I choked through Lucifer. Everything was so forced. It was so forced. And it was so padded with melodrama. And that's not what I want to see on my in this pivotal episode, okay? I mean, this was supposed to be a big deal, right? 
No? Yeah, it should have been. She's been a character on the show since the beginning. You know, like four seasons now, she's been a character. I mean, you know, main I mean, character. I mean, as you guys know, I hate her. Even though people well, don't I mean, like I'm, to bash I'm her, putting all that just... aside, okay? Yeah, my, no, my but own... I mean, I should be I should be the one saying, you know, screaming from the rooftops, finally, my scene has come. And it was, like you said, played so cheap and so for effect that there was just no truth, no emotion, no honesty in it. Right. It was just them literally trying at the last-ditch effort to pull your heartstrings so that you would actually care when she died. And I actually and cared that they made me watch that. So, I, and You know, the thing is, is, is she has been on since the beginning, and yes, yes. she has always been either a weak character or or just um, detrimental yeah. to the scene or to the right. episode and all that. But I have to say, this season... This season has been the one season, with the exception of it being forced on us this episode, where she's her character has actually been a little more developed, a little less than two-dimensional, a, a little bit more likable, um, still annoying in certain areas, but actually starting to grow on me. And then give her some things to do this season, right? Yeah. And either That's either true. pine at over Oliver or be mad at Oliver. I mean... Think about the whole thing with her taking Sarah to Nanda Parabat, you know, on her own or right. whatever. You know, I mean, they gave her more stuff to do this season for sure. But, I mean, if she wanted out, I just thought it was, a uh, like like I said, just a really cheap way to take her out of the show. And then yeah. she'll I don't back. like the way, if I don't like that they killed Laurel, something's wrong. Okay. Right. <laughs> Especially a character that's, I mean, I put all that aside, all the yeah. Laurel hate and everything that we've had. And for, I mean, because that's. You know, neither here nor there. But I, mean, I don't mind that they kill her. Just do no. it in a way that do it is a better good way storytelling. Yes, you know, and don't don't telegraph terrible. everything. Don't don't right. don't follow every by the book TV or TV drama trope that we've ever seen ever. I mean, and I'm surprised with Berlin. I'm just, I mean, he he's been hitting home runs or his production. Yeah, no, home runs with so many things. And, I agree. And and this. This is just not good, and and they continue to to uh, swing for the fences and miss terribly this week with their yes. other show. Okie doke. Let's talk about iZombie. Zombie. Okay. Uh, the way live uh, reflections of the way live used to be. That's the name of the episode. Wow. Uh, season two, episode seventeen, and brain of the week. We'll go there first. Brain of the week this week is Bailey, like a, a type A. Uh, a plus student running for student council, uh, kind of Adderall popping, uh, overachiever, very much the way Liv was before she became a zombie. And she even says so when she talks to Ravi about eating the brain, which this week was like General So's brains, it looked like. Yeah. It was like a stir fry over noodles and stuff. <laughs> it wasn't, I mean, sometimes, nice. well, sometimes the visual puns, like they had a BLT, was it last week, Rich? Yeah, brain, brain, lettuce, like tomato, brains. you know, Aww. brain, lettuce, and tomato. Yeah, yeah. Or they have like a brain bacon burger, you know, or they had brain barbecue one time and stuff. But they, mm. uh, um, when they're at the, uh, I really like the bit when they're at the uh, the crime scene and Robbie tries to do a uh, uh, a Godfather impression, <laughs> and then Babino schools him on Godfather. He's like, well, first of all. That's a terrible impression. And second of all, it's Clemenza that says that. <laughs> yeah. <Not Vito> <laughs> that was pretty hilarious. I, I like that scene. Yeah, there was a lot of good Clive stuff this episode. At first, they think the woman, the girl's been killed because uh, she was running against uh, this guy from the Bro episode. Mm-hmm. Um, a callback to that episode where she ate Bro brain. Yep. Um, you know, and he sees. Uh, Liv coming in, she, he's like, bro, dude, he's like, how you been, man, all right, 
let's go knock some back later, you know? It was like, <laughs> it was like uh, oh, that's not You've changed, man. You've changed. Really changed. They, they said they had a DNM with his buddy the night before, a deep and meaningful, which is, I guess, their code for walking around with a bottle of whiskey and really drunk and maudlin and stuff. And that's their <laughs> alibi for the murder. <laughs> I thought that was pretty hilarious. Turns out that there's a lot more going on here. That it turn, the, um, the lieutenant that is the, the guy that... Um, Drake, not the rapper, but uh, Liv's boyfriend. Uh, not the ducks? No. Not the ducks? No. Not a male duck either. Not Ludwig, the hotel? Ludwig von Drake. No, not the hotel. him. Or Drake, Drake's Cakes. No, not them. Okay, I'm just making sure. Drake's coffee cakes. Yeah, there's a lot of Drake's. <laughs> there really anyway, is. Anyway, the, 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 uh, the guy that he reports to, Bedetto, uh, is having doing this thing with the college students where he kind of turns them into snitches on each other. Mm-hmm. And the the reason she this girl ends up being killed is because she was trying to overachieve and make a really big score of Utopium. Uh, it turns out one of his other snitches killed her and strangled her with uh, her own uh, with the wire that she was wearing. Um, the same dealer, by the way, this same Utopium dealer is dealing to Don E, who is now the new king of Utopium, which I thought was hilarious. Now that Blaine is like totally brain blanked. Yeah. Like, Don E is taking over. They're having, like, zombie parties down in the basement. Utopia. This is downstairs business. Right. This is downstairs. Yeah. Business. You need to do upstairs Sorry. business. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they're dealing Utopium to the guy that the cop is coming to bust. That giant guy with the one eye whose name I can't remember. Is it, like, Moose or? I just always refer to him as Lurch. But that big I dude? Can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got that big, huge zombie thug. I call him I call him zombie thug. He I looks like he might be like the dude from the Highlander. Remember that big? Yeah, zombie? the Kurgan. Yeah. Yes, the, that's exactly what I thought. Clancy Brown, one of my favorite actors. Oh man, he is so good. I loved him in Sleepy Hollow and Pet Cemetery, and yes, okay. He was my, <laughs> he's still my favorite Lex Luthor too. He's great as Lex. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let's all get off his tip right now. <laughs> um, this the big guys are doing the utopium deal when the cop comes to bust him just before Liv and Clive show up. The the vice cop who is you know as I said also in charge of Drake's undercover. Uh, Drake has not been heard of heard from in like a week because he's freezing in in the, in the chiller, uh, in Major's chiller, um, and Liv is kind of freaking out. Giant zombie guy snaps the dealer's neck and bashes the cop in the head. And he wakes up. The kid is handcuffed. He has to explain to Clive and Liv. How he, um, you know, handcuffed the kid and got bushwhacked by this guy from behind or whatever. Agent Bosio from the Missing Persons thinks Clive ought to be an FBI agent. I mean, everybody hates him there in Seattle, it seems like. You know, she says he's kind of wasting his time there. Uh, that he could, you know, probably be a really good FBI agent. And he fills out, the, by the end of the episode, he fills out the application to do so. To, to get the heck out of there. And that does make sense. I mean... He has, other than Liv and Ravi, there's no one really on his side at that station. That's true. That's true. He's totally ostracized. Even the even the cop that he that gets clobbered or whatever says so. You know, so you don't have a lot of friends around here. You know, yep. Thing. Um, after last uh, episode's confession, or actually Ravi finding out that you know, Major's the um, chaos killer, and they turn has turned back into his all you know gone full zombie. Major tells Ravi everything. He like tells him all about you know um, Vaughn. He tells him all about the Max Rager thing and why he was doing it to save you know Liv's life and why you know they were going to go and kill these like three hundred people, but instead I'm like not really killing them, I'm just kidnapping them, and freezing them. 
he he lays it all out for Robbie. So Robbie's like totally in, and Robbie's like, you can't tell any of this to live. Like immediately, he's like, you can't tell any of this to live. Live her whole thing would be to 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 you know her whole world would be shattered because the whole thing that's keeping her together right now, even though she's a zombie, is being yeah. able to help out with these cases and stuff with. Yeah, right. So he kind of sees he's a chaos kidnapper. And now it's also time for another regular segment on the iZombie coverage. It's Major's Bad Plan. <laughs> remember when Major had the bad plan of walking into the queue with all the guns and, the, and then grenades? Remember when Major had the bad plan of hiding in the uh, the trunk of the car? Well, this is right up there with, with Major's Bad Plan. Um, he decides he's going to in, try to infect Vaughn with uh, zombie virus. And then hit Vaughn with the cure and see if it causes memory loss in him. Because they're not sure if Blaine is faking or not. They're not sure if he really doesn't remember or if this right. is just, just a dodge for him to get out of, you know, testifying against Mr. Boss or whatever. So, you know, I think plan, pretty right? much him walking into the police station and to the FBI cop that and cop that, you know have been on his case about things and, and playing that act is enough to show that it's not an act. Yeah. Well, the, um, yeah, that is the, the scene between him and Peyton was really funny this episode too. Yeah. So she didn't know whether he was acting or not either. And he doesn't even remember Peyton at all. I don't know. I think I'd remember Peyton. Oh, I, there's no way I <laughs> chief. I'm sorry. Chief is the big guy's name. Just like <sighs> guy in, in one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yep. Love that movie. Yeah, me too. Oh, we also get a scene with Devon and uh, his daughter, Rita. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's keeping Rita under lock and key in the bottom of uh, you know at the Max Ranger facility in their labs, and he's like he shows her the new Max Ranger commercial. Oh wow! Where he's so lame. Which is most, it was so meta though because he's like that brought was. Thomas and I'm like, God. yeah, right. <laughs> Dude, I, I did. I laughed. I laughed when at that part. I, yeah, okay. when I say yeah. lame, I mean funny, goofy, haha. Yes, I like that it. was fun. That was fun. I did love that commercial. I love the the meta, like oh, Rob Thomas did it. When Rob Thomas is the showrunner here, it was it was fun. Right. I Plus, it. I mean, he's doing one-handed pull-ups <laughs> cheesy. off the side cheesy. of a cliff. <laughs> he's like, Max so Major, real. what did you do today? <laughs> I thought I thought we were I thought we were actually watching the commercial being filmed on set, and then when it was done, it was just going to fade away to a green screen. Yes, so 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 cheesy, so cheesy. Um, There's also a a cool scene where that that vice cop who set up these kids or whatever gets knocked out by Chief. uh, You know, tells Babino and Liv that he has this guy who informed for him for a few months ago, and then freaked out and went to psych ward because he said he was dealing with zombies. That is referring to Donnie's brother. Yep. Um, who, you know, died in the psych ward right after Major met him when they were both in the psych ward together, remember? Okay. So that was a cool callback to first season. Again, Babino is like my favorite character. Mm. He's awesome in this. He's just so deadpan and everything. Major goes to try to uh, set off his uh, his plan against Vaughn. He's there and, you know, talking to Vaughn about getting training or whatever. And then Vaughn's like, no, I don't think uh, we'll be doing the gym today. Uh, why don't we go out to Tacoma instead? And he's like, well, let me go put my gym bag in my car. So Major walks out the door, and uh, you know Vaughn and his uh, new bodyguard or whatever are kind of following him in a very treacherous and, and manner. And in the meantime, 
Agent Bozio has gotten enough evidence together with the dog and the woman who used to groom the dog that she is there to arrest Major Lily White as the Chaos Killer with a full cadre of FBI dudes. I knew all along that that eventually that dog was going to be the downfall. Well, yeah, they wouldn't have kept bringing it up in in the plotline if it wasn't. Right. And then the episode has ended as they're cuffing him. He's up against the ground. And lo and behold, he's turning full zombie again. His eyes are turning red. And I don't think there's going to be anything to stop him. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't. Well, like I said, those FBI guys are there. I mean, uh, Ravi gave him that one, you know, brain shake with like the, the, uh, the optimistic woman's brain from the coffee shop episode. Right. So he was like, you know, feeling happy or whatever, but, you know, I guess it didn't last very long because here he is. He's got the full red eyes, like you know. Liv does when she totally freaks out. So and that was the end of the episode. I zombie. Uh, some of the some of the best uh, uh, lines I wrote down: Benedetto to Babino, uh, you're on quite a high streak, solving case after case. And Babino's like, it takes a village. And he looks over at Liv. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Liv is like, idle brains in the devil's workshop. Robbie says, I think it's hands. That was uh, funny. When uh, it's when Blaine walks into the uh, the uh, police station and she goes, uh, "Well, if it isn't Blaine, John Doe, De Beers, McDonough, Jingleheimer Schmidt," because <laughs> he has so many uh, um, so many aliases, yeah. Robbie oh, and Robbie to uh, to major get an MRI or CT scan or maybe a PET scan, anything with an acronym really. <laughs> Stat. <laughs> yeah. ASAP. Stat. And Blaine, uh, the it's my favorite Blaine. Was- yeah, I like no, I like the Blaine line. He's like, um, I I really seem to inspire negative reactions in people. <laughs> yeah, I I <laughs> also like I the. Said. I also we mentioned it before, but I also like the whole upstairs downstairs things that kept coming back throughout the episode, and I don't know why, but I kept thinking of, uh, you know, a messed up Downton Abbey, <laughs> upstairs downstairs thing. Yeah. Then the final one, I wrote, final line I wrote down. Uh, remember when I was telling you about that guy whose life you ruined? How he turned his fiance into a zombie, then cost him his job, killed a bunch of kids that were close to him, uh, kidnapped him, and locked him in a freezer, and tortured him before stabbing him to death? Yeah, that's him. <laughs> and then Major's like, hi. <laughs> so that was that was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, I give this a B. It was just another, it was uh, pretty average. You know, there was some cool stuff. The way they ended it, it was a great cliffhanger. I can't wait to see how that plays out next week with Major. Yeah, I I was gonna go with a B minus, but I was I'm gonna go with a B because of the ending. I I it's I thought it ended well, and looking forward to the it coming back. I had a B. I loved seeing Veronica Mars as dad in something. Yeah, that makes me happy. I did like the Corgan. <laughs> it's just I don't know, just this big hulking zombie that's, henchman guy. That's downstairs cool. business, okay? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. So yeah. funny how Donnie is like stepped up to be like the the guy now, and how long is it going to be before Mister Boss notices? You know. And I did not know her boyfriend was a zombie now, and man, he looks like the ultimate boy band zombie ever. All right, when he has that one white streak in his hair. Oh my gosh! I'm like, could this guy look any cheesier? I don't even know. So B. That just system. happened, by the way, Jerry. Yeah, no. it didn't. This episode didn't upset me. It wasn't. It's still not my show, but it did not upset me. I watched it, and I was not like hating both of you and wanting you dead like a slow, painful death. I'm glad to hear that because I really not like a slow, <laughs> painful death in any way. 
Well, it's not like me liking something actually makes it happen. So, lucky you. Okay, let's move on to uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Do we have to? Oh, come on. It wasn't that that bad. I think we could vote vote it off the island, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, sorry. You guys shouldn't have to endure this. Apparently, we had to do yourself a favor and avoid at all costs. So, uh, season one, episode 10, Progeny. Uh, This takes place in the future. And it basically deals with like a classic time travel conundrum. You know, if you could go back and kill Hitler when he was still a kid, would you? Right? And it's kind of a question we've been asking, too, about Vandal Savage. It's like, why don't they just go back in time to when he's a little kid and kidnap him or kill him before he gets, you know, the superpowers or whatever? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, none, none of the crossing of timelines and stuff makes sense in this show at all. We know you shouldn't do it, but it's done all the time, and we don't know what the repercussions are, but we know they're bad. <laughs> well, here's the thing, man, and, and you know, I, I guess we'll get to it as the episode goes on, but, like, they do all this stuff with a kid. You know, they kidnap him, they almost kill him, all this stuff, and yet nothing happens to the timeline. If anything, they exactly. made it worse. They made it worse because they, they do know the virus. Of, but, yes, exactly. You know? right. I mean, Gideon's like, you know, well, because of what you did, Paradegaton does this earlier, and then the virus is this, you know, and more people die five years earlier, blah, 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 you know, all because you tried to help you dumb, dumb people. Uh, so they go to, like, I think it's like about 20 or 30 years before Rip Hunter's time, and they want to f- stop this guy named Paradegaton, who in DC Comics lore was a big uh, foe of the Justice Society. The original incarnation of the Justice League back in the day, in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. He was also in the All Star Squadron book and like on Earth Two quite a bit um, in the uh, the DC books. But he was always kind of a, a pictured as a, a Hitler like despot. And in the comics, he was always obsessed with time travel. Okay. So interestingly enough, here's him in a time travel story. It might explain why his, you know, uh, predilection for time travel or whatever. But it turns out this is going to be the stepping stone tyrant that uh, Savage uses to, you know, make his own bid for world conquest. Uh, It's the crappy future of 2147, and conglomerates are taking over the world, the corporations. And there's only one uh, place in all of the Earth, I guess, isn't totally messed up, and it's called the Casmia Conglomerate. Can Can I say it like it's supposed to be said? Oh, I'm sorry. Please do. The Caspian Conglomerate. <laughs> Why, thank you, Gideon. Thank you. <laughs> so while all this drama is going on, whether or not they should kill this boy, there's uh, there are these intermittent scenes where everybody goes down to visit McRory. Uh, first Rip Hunter, you know, and he's, he kind of half apologizes, and he's like, well, let me out of here, and I'll show you how much I you know, will accept your apology, you know, stuff like that. And then uh, um, uh, White Canary, Sarah, goes down there and talks to him and tells him her... Tells him about uh, what happened with her and Snart, where they almost died. And even though he was dying, all he could, th- all he could, you know, all he was worried about was Rory, right? And then yeah. finally, finally, Snart goes in there, and he's like, "Look, dude, let's just have it out mano a mano, okay? You kill me, you get to hop in the jump ship and get the hell out of here, okay? Nice. You can go wherever you want. Just all you have to do is get kill me, get through me. And if I kill you, hey, problem solved, right?" So uh, Mick's like, ring the bell. <laughs> that was his answer. I was, yeah, it's true. And you know what? These little scenes with Dominic Purcell were like probably my favorite part of this whole episode because he's a really intense actor. He's really good. He Especially is. him and Will yeah. Miller play off each other super well, and they know they know each other well enough as actors to do that. Yeah. 
So these little like confession, I mean, he calls them like, it's like you're coming back, you're, you know, confession or whatever. Um, they were like my favorite part of the episode. I mean, because we know they're not going to kill a kid, right? I mean, right. you know, on a WBCW show, they're not going to kill a little, what is he, like 10 year old, 12 year old kid. It's just not going to happen. They're going to struggle with it. They're going to argue about it. And half the episode is them arguing about whether or not they should kill this kid. Snart's just like, let's just kill the little bastard and get it over with, which, you know, classic Snart, right? Right. Uh, you know, uh, the, the others are like, what if we kidnap him? What if we put him in the Stone Age? What if we put him in the timeline or whatever? And it turns out if they do that, it's not going to affect the timeline in any way. Yeah. Because uh, why would whatever. it? The only, the only thing that seems to make a ripple in the timeline is if they actually out and out kill him. So Rip Hunter uh, takes Paradegaton off in a uh, ship uh, away from the rest of the group, presumably to kill him in privacy. So he doesn't have anyone to talk him out of it, I guess. Uh, in the meantime, they're in the future. Uh, Ray has found out that his Palmer tech in the, has basically become Age of Ultron. Like the, the police force are all robots that are based on his Palmer tech. And uh, he goes to the Palmer Tech Institute or whatever and meets Jewel Stafe from Firefly there, who he yeah, thinks at first is his great, 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 great granddaughter. Evidently, he thinks he had a love child with Felicity or something. It sounds yeah. like it. Because yeah. he's mentions, yeah. he's like, I only had sex with, you know, with one person in 2016 and. You know, she was pregnant. She didn't say anything, and so here he is. He's found out that not only have his, you know, his name lived on, but there's like a bust of him, and these robots that he created have lived on and, and become this totalitarian police force. Right? None of that bothers him. What bothers him is that he had a love child back in 2016. So that's this, the emotional crux for Ray for the whole episode. This is part of what really annoys me with this show, and and with what throughout all of the. Berlanti Productions with Ray. They have totally. It's like they don't know what they want that character to be. No, he changed he, what he's capable of changes from episode to episode. I, who and, is he? And he seems, you know, his nice guy attitude and all that that he had, you know, in the beginning when he first appeared in this universe. It 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 was charming. It played well. It gave a little bit of you know what what his character was about. Now it's just lame. It's 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 always some emotional wrench that just keeps, you know, taking him this direction and then that direction. And I, I, I don't know. I just because I really want to like that character because I like Ray Palmer in the comics. I liked Ray Palmer when he first appeared on Arrow. I really can't stand him now. Him or his maybe love or not love with Kendra too. I'll get to that, get to that in a minute. Yeah, I mean, I'll let you get, but I mean, there's just so many directions that they keep making terrible, terrible mistakes on with these characters. The only way they could redeem Ray Palmer in a major way for me, do you remember the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah. And how everybody hated Agent Ward? I hated Sky. I didn't care about it. I've always hated Sky up until like this season. I I quit watching it because I couldn't take it. Anyway, um, that first season, everybody bitched about Ward. Like, oh, God, Ward, he's so bland. He sucks. He sucks. He's terrible. I hate his character. He sucks. He sucks. He's so bland. He's so goody-goody, blah, blah, blah. And then he ended up being a Hydra agent. And all of a sudden, he's super interesting. And hey, good character, you know? I think something's going to happen like that with Palmer. I really do. I think something's going to have to happen to him to like either traumatize him to the point 
where he's going to be totally on a totally different outlook, or maybe himself from the future will come and be changed somehow. I really think they're going to have to do something major with that character by the end of the season, which is my opinion. You know, and if they I, don't, I, I I agree. Then they've totally thrown out. You know, they've totally missed. I it. hope you're right. I understand. You know, I mean, we covered the Walking Dead on a podcast too, and I understand the problems of a, a show that has an ensemble cast trying to give everyone a little bit of screen time, right? Give everybody something to do, even though they have you know, these varied uh, skill sets and things like that. I understand all that, but it can be done. I mean, it's been done on on you know shows left, right, and center for, you know, since the beginning yep. of, of TV. So, you know, I, I that's my big problem with this. Is it just doesn't seem like it's a good mixing of the ensemble, you know. And then they 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 double down on these characters like like Kendra's like let's get to that part. Kendra is having flashbacks about her and Carter uh, raising young Aldous, the, the guy who died in the was it the pilot was it the pilot episode. The professor who died that turned out to be their son? I think that was the pilot. Uh, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his name. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the pilot. Cause if okay. it wasn't, it was one of the first episodes. Right, because so. remember the first time you ever saw him was on Arrow when they had the VCR. When they had to bust out the Betamax VCR. And I, right. I got a lot of crap for that on Nothing's On because I'm a big fan of VCRs. For some reason, she flashes back to her and Carter and all this when all this was a boy. And we have these flashback uh, uh, sequences in sepia tone um, from, I guess it was from the 40s, 30s, right around there. Yeah, that's what I took it as. And I'm just like, why? What? How? What does this have to do with anything? Why is this here? What? And it's like, it's almost like they're like, oh, well, you know, the flashbacks work so well on Arrow. Maybe we should try them here too, you know, or they hey, once or, or oh, maybe okay. we should bring Carter back. Here's how we could do it with a flashback, you know. It just seems it just seems uh, not even stupid, but just kind of superfluous. Like, why? Sure. Why is this here? Can I just go back to the regular story now? You know, this has nothing to do with anything. I mean, do you guys agree? I mean, just oh, I totally agree. Um, you don't ever have to ask me if I hate Legends of the Lame for the same reason as you hate it. I hate it for all those reasons and more. <laughs> I hate it strong it's cons- you. It's consistently inconsistent. I'm gonna, I will <laughs> say that, I will say this though. Okay? okay, when when they went to um. Uh, Later, um, you know, the um, Rip said something exchange for Paradegaton and um, uh, Savage has captured White Canary, which mm-hmm. didn't set well with me. I didn't think she should have gotten captured so easily. But um, White Canary, when she gets captured, her hair is like totally straight. And it's beautiful. And, and, then, and then when she and then when she gets uh, swapped out, you know, when mm-hmm. she's going for the prisoner exchange, it's been teased out. So I'm, I'm wondering, like, while she's you know been held by Savage, did she get like a rinse and, and cut or? I think Savage, um, from his pure like immortal energy, just kind of stands her hair on end literally. It's something I wanted to mention because I knew Jerry would notice, and I noticed. I did notice. Yeah, I, I thought well, it was a continuity problem, but I thought they were trying to show she was in, under some duress. There's never a wrong time to get your hair did. <laughs> Yeah, he, Richard would know. So, I, I got agree. my hair did this morning. We're gonna leave out the whole bit with Paradagaton telling Rip what a big wussy he is for not being able to kill him. Uh. <laughs> and the whole thing, you know, do you ever learn to swim? I never got to teach my boy to swim because you know you killed him. Blah blah, blah all that stuff. I'm gonna leave all that out because that was just stupid. Right. So the boy goes back to his father. Turns out the boy kills the father even sooner. 
causing the Armageddon virus that's supposed to like uh, prune the population of the planet down to make it manageable for savage to take over happens even sooner. So all they're working the timeline to help out things and to fix things has totally messed things up worse. Good job, guys. Great. Uh, Leonard McFight. And Mick gets the snort on the ground and is beating him relentlessly and is about to kill him, but then stops himself. Because he's not even sure, you know, his brain is so scrambled, he's not even sure what he wants anymore. He thought, you know, Leonard's like, is this what you wanted, Mick? Didn't you want to kill me and be free or whatever? And he's like, he isn't sure what he wants to, uh, anymore. But he does, he is sure that he wants to tell the rest of the legends that there is a, another group of bounty hunters. And these guys are ruthless and will kill them on sight. Um, that have been sent by the Time Masters to take them out. So I guess the threat ante has been officially upped now for the last part of the season. Yeah. Um, Ooh. <laughs> we get, yeah, um, on the on the Palmer front, it turns out that it's his brother, Sidney, who actually the bust is of and who everyone uh, is praising because he stole Ray's ideas when Ray disappeared. Uh, this is the first we've heard of Ray's brother. That's what I was wondering. Had we heard about that? Because I was even trying to remember if he had a brother in the comic. But I'm thinking if it looks so much like Ray, maybe Ray is posing as his own brother, Sidney, to take back his company because he was, you know, he disappeared from time for that long. Maybe. It could be. I don't know. So we end the episode with them having left the timeline, done it, doing it being totally ineffectual and fact, making things worse <laughs> yes. than they were to begin with. Yes. And at least McRory is back and out of the cell and not wanting to kill everyone for the moment. And now they have time bandit bounty hunters after them. Who probably turn out to be like, you know, White Canary of the Future and Kendra of the Future and Usher. Firestorm Usher of the Future or something. Anyway, so that was Legends of Tomorrow for the week, episode 10. I give this a C-. minus. I like the fact it kind of dealt with the issue that we had talked about as far as like, you know, okay. kill, kill, killing the dudes while they were still kids. Mm-hmm. But then it just totally cheaped out on it and really didn't even dive deep yes. and drill deep into that at all. I liked the stuff with Snart and Rory. I liked all the stuff with Rory, actually. Um, so that kept it from being a total failure, a failure this week. So I'll give it a C minus. Yeah, I'm. I don't think it's a total failure either, but I, I'm, I'm right at a D. I'm also at a D. There wasn't enough redeemable about this. There were some cute exchanges, but it just wasn't enough redeemable about this for me to give it anything more than a D. Fair enough. Okay. I uh, just wanted to touch on a few uh, notes of business here and notes of news real quick before we sign off. Uh, we were going to have a, a review of Justice League versus Teen Titans this week. We're going to skip that till next week when Daryl is back. Daryl's off celebrating his birthday, so happy birthday, Daryl. He's yeah. finally, finally yes. sweet 16. So he's, he's finally legal. So congratulations. Happy birthday. He's going to make some man very no, this happy. No, this is my job. I'm supposed to do the girl voice. Happy birthday. Yeah, please let Jerry do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ready? Happy birthday. <laughs> no, he's going to finish. <laughs> so. Mr. Anyway. Daryl Taylor. <laughs> so anyway... Um, we had a little thing on the Facebook group about spoilers. I'm just going to lay this out now, as I did on the group. Uh, somebody spoiled the Laurel Lance death, like, I don't know, literally like an hour or two after it happened. I zapped the spoiler right off the site, and that's what I'll do in the future, too. 24 hours at least, guys, please. I don't watch them until they're on Hulu the next day. Um, I know, you know, we have active lifestyles, as they say. 
So we can't, you know, we can't like, you know, make an appointment television. So please, 24 hours on spoilers, guys. Be courteous. Be cool. You know what I mean? There's no reason to be jerks about that, right? Am I right? I agree. Yeah, I mean, because it's, it's really, um, it's really like, uh, I, I don't know. It's really rare that we watch the show the, the night it comes out. At least it is for me, you know. It's, kids, it's difficult, still, though, yeah. sometimes. It's difficult sometimes, though, because we will post, hey, what did you think about such and such episode this week? But I think we usually even wait till the next day to do that. Yeah, I do. I definitely do when I do that, um, for sure. And that's just to get some discussion, you know, on the group. I always wait at least a day. So. Well, and, and if I haven't seen and what's nice about that is who you or whoever does it will just say what you think of, you know, there's nothing in that post. And if I haven't watched it yet, then I know, oh, don't open that post's comments yet, you know. There's a way when you post something, it, you can do a lot of, like, big character stuff before you get to the meat of it. So if you're just scrolling by, you know, on your phone or your computer, you won't see the spoiler part. Mm. So I know a lot of groups that do that. Right. Um, but, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going with the 24-hour hard and fast rule. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, James Conner had a good uh, 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 thing he wanted to mention. He just listened to episode 59. Thanks for listening, by the way, James. That's awesome. We just got four new members in the Facebook group this week, so Ooh. thanks for that, too. Um, I think Ravi's motivation... Hey. This is about iZombie. I think uh, Ravi's motivation to open the safe comes from the fact that the FBI has surveillance photos of Major, although I could be getting my timeline mixed up. And he's right. I would totally forgot about that. They had the picture of him and Blaine. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, funeral home. Yep. So he was already suspicious that Blaine was up to something. So yeah, pretty cool. Um, Echo Killam, who plays Mister Terrific uh, on uh, on Arrow, has been promoted <sighs> to uh, Curtis Holt. So awesome. Yeah, he's cool. I like him. Gosh, he was my favorite part of the last episode. He is, the, he's going to be a series regular next next season. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah, me too. He's yeah. an awesome character. Yeah. And it's cool. I, I think it's cool they have, like, uh, you know, um, um, uh, a, a married gay character that's, like, no big deal. I think it's awesome. It should be like that on every show. We have some, oh, we have some really cool uh, preview stuff this week from the Killing Joke animated uh, f- uh, feature that they're making with Kevin Conroy and Mark uh, Hamill in the voices of Batman and the Joker, respectively. And Tara Strong as Barbara Gordon, which I think is awesome. Uh, that they got her, too, from the original Batman animated series. And I didn't know this. Ray Wise, uh, you know, Twin Peaks, yeah. Reaper, great yeah, actor. I know what you're talking about. He's playing Commissioner yeah. Gordon in The Killing Joke. Oh, that sounds fun, actually. Which is awesome. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, and this, I guess, this is you know, it's going to be the swan song for Conroy and Hamill. I mean, this is the last time. Like, Hamill was done doing the Joker, I guess, after the last video game. But he said, the only thing that will bring me back is if you do the killing joke. So, uh, Bruce Tim is overlooking the, uh, the the production. He's the executive producer. Uh, James Liu is directing it. He's directed some of the other features in the past. They came up with a really cool way, uh, like uh, like uh, somewhere between Timverse and, and Brian Boland's original art. It's a really cool art style uh, that they came up with the animation. There's a 10-minute... Uh, preview uh, on the DCTV podcast Facebook group. Uh, if you want to watch it for yourself, uh, the interview Michael Carlin and Bruce Tim and everyone else is involved. So definitely check that out if you're a bat fan. And if you're not, why are you listening? If you're if you're not, why are you listening to this? You lost a bet. Oh wow! <laughs> Sorry, 
I was just theorizing. <laughs> I was just going to say, in a statement on the conversation at the beginning of our episode, um, I'm looking more forward to that than I am any of the DCU live-action movies right now. Because I love The Killing Joke. I love that story. Yeah, and having yeah. having Conroy and Hamill back together. Oh. It's no brainer. Okay, well that shuts the door on another DC TV podcast for this week. Since we only had three episodes, we get it uh, down and dirty and quick and nasty. If you would like more geeky podcasts, and uh, there are several that you may, uh, several places you may go to find those. First off, check out the TaylorNetworkOfPodcast.com. Uh, there where you will find nothing's on, in which I'm myself, Gerald Taylor, and professional comedian Donnie Salvo. Uh, talk about TV and movies uh, in a more general way. Cover a lot more ground than just the D- DC shows or just the genre shows. So we, we like to say we watch a lot of dumb TV, so you don't have to. So check it out. Nothing's on. Uh, the com. You can also find the Comic Rack Snark Fest there with Miss Jerry Atkinson, who you enjoyed on this show today. Uh, there's also you know, No Apologies and uh, Arts and Crap and all kinds of great podcasts. Check it out there, the TaylorNetworkerPodcast.com. Uh, if you are in the mood for even more TV podcasting goodness, and follow me, head on over to where this podcast originated from, the HHWLOD.com. And if you go there, you will find the Walking Dead TV podcast, uh, in which we covered, we just did the season finale, we did a huge extravaganza, two and a half hour extravaganza blowout on the finale of The Walking fun. Dead. We had a lot of uh, returning uh, host who hadn't been on the show for a long time come back. It was hilarious because that was one of the hardest edits I've done in my life in podcasting, and I'm not even on the show. <laughs> so it, it was just I had to cut out all part of me too because my part got messed up. It's a long story. Uh, like every reference to me had to be cut out pretty much. I think I missed it a couple, but anyway, uh, check that out if you're a fan of The Walking Dead and you want to hear us uh, discuss why we did or did not like the way that show ended this season. Uh, spoiler alert, most of us were not too keen on it. Uh, also, the Whedonverse, uh, they're going through all the Joss Whedon stuff. They're, going, they're back on the track. Uh, we got the Black Box over there. All kinds of great podcasts. Check it out. Uh, it's all connected, in which uh, Russ Latham and his merry ba- band of men uh, do the same thing on the Marvel side of TV that we do on the DC side here on DC TV, only with less regularity because they, they just don't have the the stamina and staying power that we have on the DC TV, isn't that right? They're, they're not quite up to par with us. But well, you know, not everyone can be. I mean, we, we are. The they ones. don't have Jerry. They don't have Jerry. No, they don't. That's all I can say. That's, that's what sets us as a world-class standard. You know, we are that's the stand, oh, yeah. We're the standard bearer. You know, we are the yardstick by which others are measured. I uh, also want to thank all the listeners so much. for. We ended up in the What's Hot section of uh, iTunes. For the past Ooh. two weeks. Now, I mean, we're not like we're not like right there on the main page, but we're about halfway down if you scroll on what's hot in TV and film, which is pretty sweet. Um, so I really appreciate the, the listenership. Uh, if you want to write us an iTunes review, that would be so awesome. We haven't had one since February. But uh, the popularity of the show is on, at its maximum on iTunes, and we've been in the what's hot for the past two weeks now. So thanks so much for that. I really appreciate that. So until next week, we have another full slate of DCTV. We're going to have all the shows back. Thank you so much, Jerry. Thank you so much, Rich, for joining me tonight and talking TV. And we are Ghost. Good night.